This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Milling, and this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. As always, if you enjoy what we're doing here and you want to support the cause or get more content from us, you can do so at patreon.com slash name three songs. Or if you just want to leave us a tip because you enjoyed the episode, you can do that at paypal.me slash name three songs. Or come and say hey on the socials. So Sarah, what are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about some pop culture music moments that the artists think that they're being progressive about sexuality in some way or another when they're actually not being it. And because this is such a trend of people having the wrong takes when it comes to singing about sexuality in whatever degree, when there are artists who are singing their truth about their sexuality, we have the communities that they are a part of coming out sort of against them being like, why are you singing this? What are you? Like, what do you identify as? And so this pattern of people being like not progressive and people actually being progressive, having music that's so similar leads to upheaval on the internet. I mean, I think this is a really important conversation because we're going to start off with some examples from TikTok with artists who are singing about heterosexual relationships, but then we're going to get more into people singing about bisexual relationships because the queer community has long been advocating for themselves, but in pop culture, artists have kind of co-opted it and used gayness or bisexuality to their advantage to be cool when that's not actually who they are. And so rightfully so, the queer community has concerns that artists are just being performative. So we're going to be looking more specifically at some examples and like dissecting what happened around these and even including some situations where people were forced to come out because of the backlash that they receive for their songs. And so with all that being said, today we are joined by one of my personal favorite people on TikTok because a lot of these conversations are going down on TikTok right now. In fact, I would say that it's one of the more progressive apps to have these conversations on at the moment. So Jenna, would you like to introduce everybody to our lovely guest today? You may know him as Emo Joseph on TikTok, but he's otherwise known as Joseph Dubay, a musician and content creator from South Carolina who's known just just as much for his indie pop punk songs, earnestly cringe-worthy TikToks, and his open advocacy for marginalized groups. He also likes Pokemon and long walks on the beach. We're super excited to be talking to Joseph today, so without further ado, hi Joseph, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're super excited to get into this conversation. Because we have Joseph today, and he is a pop singer and a content creator, and like one of my favorite people to follow on TikTok, we thought we'd talk about some nonsense happening on TikTok right now 
now with people putting out songs to try and go viral and just being completely fucked on where they're going with their like quote unquote progressive sexuality. So Joseph, would you like to start off? Yeah. So if you're familiar with Vine or you're familiar with David Dobrik's vlog squad, then you've seen Scotty Sire who kind of like built his social media presence off of initially just being like an asshole older brother with a younger brother who swore a lot and now he's like the designated hottest guy in the vlog squad that's kind of like his role and so last year he put a song out called men are trash but then this year the music video got on to tiktok and it's a song by definition only and the goal of the song, I believe, <laughs> is to say that, like, hey, you know, I'm actually really trying to be a good sexual partner, but you don't like that because I'm too nice. The way it opens is, like, it felt like a parody because it's, he ain't shit, girl I know. He ain't shit, still want him, though. Men are trash, and maybe you're a raccoon. Where and I when I first heard that I was like fucking hilarious. That's hilarious. And then I like looked at the rest of the song and I was like, oh no, he's being serious. This isn't a joke. This is like his hot take. And it goes on to talk about like how he's trying really hard to be this great partner, but women want bad boys. But then like he's all self conscious because he lasts long in bed, so it makes his partner feel like she's not attractive and then it makes him feel bad because he's just trying to like give her what she needs and it's just like watching a nine-year-old strike out in a little league game because it's just a swing after miss after swing after miss and the reason it stuck out to me is like no one was really clowning on him even though it was a very similar vibe to the tramp stamp song it was like he in this song is making himself the guy that the tramp stamps are singing about um (laughs) And I was like, Let's, we need to keep this energy up and talk about how shitty this take is, which is kind of what linked up this whole topic. It's it's funny because the first time I heard the song was that there were some people doing something where they were using the intro and they were like showing photos of like a guy from like a TV show who's like the bad guy and then a guy from the TV show who was the guy that they had a crush on or whatever. And I was like, oh, this must just be a meme song or something. And then I saw your video and I heard the rest of the song and I was like, what? What is happening here? And it's just that it's that weird thing where it's like somebody creates a song to try and I think celebrate like the quote unquote good guy idea but in doing so he literally got the point of like when girls are like people who say they're a good guy are like problematic and that's what he actually did when I think he thought that he was like no good guys aren't problematic and it's like no you 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 got (laughs) the point hit you in the face and you missed it somehow. The whole second verse is like, I made you dinner, but I guess that makes me a simp. And it's like, you know, I've had partners who were like, you know, we don't necessarily want these bad boys so much as guys who are not like overdoing it with niceties. But no one's being like, he cooked me dinner. What a fucking loser. What a loser. He made me food. Oh, God. Like, if that is something that Scotty's experienced, I will be praying for him. Because that is a harsh reality to have faced, but, like, that's not real. 
It's not real. We've talked about the kind of like bad boy, good girl, good guy, all these kinds of tropes previously about in our misogyny and songwriting episodes. And I think the thing here is it's like, if you're actually like a good human being, I'm not even gonna say a good guy. Cause you know what, just like taking that out of the equation right now, if you're a decent human being, you're not all the time thinking about how much better you are than other people. And that that is like the error in his thinking is like, he's very consciously thinking about like, but I am good and they don't know that I'm good. And this is why it turns into a problem because then he's like purposely trying to act this way and then feeling wronged anytime anyone rejects him. Right. And it, it lends into the fact that like men's idea of what men and women want from a male partner is 100% contrived through the male gaze. And it's so baked in that like men will convince themselves that they're oppressed when it's like, hey, have you ever like asked a girl? Have you ever asked a potential partner what they are looking for in a partner? Because yeah. I was thinking about it the other day, if the world was, if 80% of men you know, were like Superman, chiseled, perfect, muscle big boys, you know, super just like peak chads, if you will, then I would understand the 20% of men who didn't fall into that who were like, ah, people prefer the perfect human man, which is the norm. But guess what? That's like a small percentage of men. And everybody is visually attracted to like peak physical condition because we have caveman brains. (laughs) But no one's like the only person I want to date is Captain Smoothbody Hard Muscles. (laughs) Like, really, it boils down to like wanting to be respected first and foremost, and men just cannot wrap their mind around that being an important part of the conversation. It is funny, though, because it does feel very much like from these lyrics that that Tramp Stamps I'd Rather Die girl is writing the song in direct response to Scotty's song because of how they're saying, like, "Um, I don't know how you think we're going to fuck when you can't get it up is in the Tramp Stamps song. And then in Scotty's song, he's just like, I last too long because I'm insecure. And I'm in my head and I don't get off when I get head. And now you're in your head. Does he think I'm attractive? And it's like, what? (laughs) But also, I'm just confused as to why being insecure would make somebody last too long in bed. Oh, this is a whole other conversation about anxiety and ADHD, but like they're linked. You can continue to perform sexually, but have trouble achieving climax as a man um, if you're like anxious. Oh, interesting. Like your physical body will continue the blood distribution. I'm being as clean as I can be. <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. But like mentally, you know, I would assume that as women, you would understand that you got to be in the right headspace. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. And you could be in the process of it and still not be in the headspace to finish. That so like, a that's a whole other thing. And that's just about psychology at that point. It's interesting because when you hear the Scotty song, it almost makes me go, actually, Tramp Stamps, I feel you on that. I just wish you hadn't been so like rapey. Yeah. The thing with Tramp Stamps was like, so we did like a whole episode on stamps and it just felt very much like they were close but they missed the mark in that like it's like become popular to like hate on white men on internet culture and so they're like yes let's do that the way they went about it was wrong well it was contrived and it was manufactured to manipulate an audience who they assumed was like you'll hate people the way we want you to hate this list of bland names i was so glad that joseph or joe was not in their extensive list of men (laughs) white man names that they i was like i'm one of the fine ones i'm a good guy not good (laughs) just okay not bad it's like they thought they were having like a woke feminist take and they walked up to the conversation without knowing anything about what was happening and just like threw it out there and thought people would respond well to it it's like when you're having a conversation about someone you both don't like but you take it a little (laughs) too far yeah 
literally literally because it's like okay you can be mad about men whatever like that's totally fine but then to like get to the point where you're kind of like the whole sex part of that song they took like a leap instead of just like a little step and i was like guys right come on like if you were talking to a colleague and they were like josh is just he's so behind on his deadlines and you're like yeah fuck josh <laughs> He's a fucking loser. And they were like, whoa. And you're like, I mean, he's, you know, whoa, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's got a lot on his plate. Literally. But I mean, that's really similar also with like the Scotty Sire song when she's like, if he's actually a nice guy, he would have had a discussion with this girl that he's sleeping with to be like, hey, like I have anxiety about sex. And like you have a nice little conversation about it. And then it like, kind of makes it sexier. <laughs> I just don't understand, like, why there are these men who are like, yes, you don't have any communication when it comes to sex. I just do it. And I'm either, like, really can't stop thinking about how she doesn't think I'm hot or that she thinks I was, like, I just, I don't know. There's so much to unpack here that I just feel like he's, he's never been nice to anyone in his life, maybe. I mean, that's the brand he built. My tattoo artist last night said the only person who will insist on letting you know what kind of a person they are and how good they are are con artists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, a smart guy or a nice person or a strong person isn't going to be like, I'm fucking great. Exactly. Yeah. No, they need to make sure you know how much of a good guy they are. Tramp stamps also was a bit weird because they basically said like, I'd rather die than sleep with another straight white guy. And it was kind of like fetishizing everyone else. But then most of the people in the band were straight. Yeah. You know, the thing that rubbed me the most wrong was that I live for a song that can like take men down a peg they're solid they deserve to exist especially with how many songs that everyone listens to are just like derogatory towards women and boiling them down to objects and treating them like shit and we're all like put this on at the eighth grade dance (laughs) but like the way they went about it was being like i will specifically attack the two things that no person has control over your ethnicity and your sexuality and then that adds this whole conversation of like okay so are you saying that by default every bisexual man is gonna be really good at having fulfilling satisfactory sex with their partner because i can assure you that is a falsehood (laughs) there are some men who can't even have fulfilling satisfactory sex with other men and they're completely familiar with the plumbing it's just such a wild take to make i understand that people have preferences but if somebody told me that they specifically like refused to be attracted to like people based on any part of the things they can't control race and sexuality like that i'd be like that's really sketchy if i like if a girl was like i wouldn't be with a queer man or i would never date a non-binary person like why say that out loud yeah if that's your truth because it's nothing but hurtful now straight white men and white men and men fucking We're in a very cushy position by simply existing. And so I feel like as the male guest, I should acknowledge that (laughs) and recognize my privilege and everything. But like the guitarist is married to a straight white guy. And when the lead singer was like, um, I'm gay. And then they were like, but what does that mean for you? Because you're just saying gay. And then in their apology, they were like, she'll fuck anybody like well wait a that's not at all what it means it's like they literally looked up like fetishized definition of a bisexual and they're like ah yes that's what marissa is 
like I remember, and this is so unwoke, but I remember in high school, it was 2010, I had never fucking heard the term pansexual, and my friend came out as pansexual, and I was like, what are you doing, you fucking boys, you fucking girls, you see a tree, you're gonna fuck it? And she was like, no, that's not what it means, and I was like, like, that's how it felt. I think, like, the conversations around sexuality, we've gotten a lot better about talking about it as of recently. Like you just said, 2010, like, pansexual was a confusing thing, because we weren't openly talking about these things. And I feel like even now, now that like more people are comfortable exploring other gender identities or being gender nonconforming as well, we're starting to have these better understanding because people are comfortable talking about it. People are comfortable expressing themselves in different ways and, you know, finding their true authentic selves. And so that's why like a lot of the songs that we're about to talk about, which range from all the way back to 2000s to very recently, the takes are a little off either because of the times and how sexuality was or wasn't talked about then. And then I think the important thing now is like realizing because we're further along in this conversation, knowing that like how you speak about these things in songs really does have an impact for better or for worse. The idea of like lesbians has always been super fetishized by men because like we live in the world of a male gaze, like as basically said before Joseph. And so I think that also with that, like even if before being gay or even just bisexual was like more accepted, I feel like people were like, okay, if we include lesbian imagery or the sort of idea in our music, people are going to talk about it because it's like a safe fetish idea, I feel like, especially in the early 2000s. And so we think that that's why, like, we have had throughout music history, like, songs that sort of hit at it or, like, all out go there where they're, like, performatively being, like, LGBT plus, like, in music. It's just interesting, like, looking back on it and, like, doing research for this episode of, like, seeing how things might have not been, like, widely accepted. But, like, when some of these songs came out, people were just like, oh, like, that's just normal. And then some of them, like, now are like, oh, we fucked up. Like, this wasn't the right take. This wasn't what I should have done. But also some of them are just like, it just doesn't get talked about. But the pop culture zeitgeist is like, why did this happen? And so we think that, like, a good example of all of these things that I just said is the song All the Things She Said by Tattoo because that was like super polarizing when it came out and people are still talking about it to this day. And I mean, that song came out in 2001 and they were a Russian duo. And I mean, being gay wasn't even still legal in... Um, yeah, no, it's it, not, it, was, it's it, was not decrim- your- it was decriminalized in 1993. Well, it's... <laughs> like, it's, 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 still, it's, it's, it's still, still not handled well. It's still not handled well at all. But according to like the global equity site, once the Soviet Union fell, that Russia was quote-unquote liberalized, which is bullshit. Right. Basically, what the global equity site said was that homosexual relationships were supposedly decriminalized in 1993. But despite those liberalization trends during like the immediate post-Soviet period, in recent years, Russian authorities have routinely denied permits or pride parades. They've arrested people, like LGBT act- activists and like anybody who's making statements and anything like that. So it's still not safe there to be this. And so the fact that like in 2001, this Russian duo shows up in America and they're like, here's our lesbian anthem, which like that music video was just like a bunch of hot girls in white tank tops not wearing bras with the rain coming down. Everybody, like, why do you think I think rain's sexy? Yes, I remember. (laughs) Everything. It was super hot. I was was in first grade and I was like, I don't really get sex, but this is cool. Whatever that, I'm, you know, 
I'm not gonna tell people to stop putting this on TV. It's just like so funny that like the first remembrance that I have, and I'm sure a lot of people in like our sort of age range have of like seeing anything lesbian in pop culture was probably this music video. Oh, for sure. I didn't know what gay was until fourth grade. And then the joke was like, well, I'm a lesbian because I like women. And it's like, well, you know, I'll give you a pass. You're an eight-year-old. So this is funny because I don't remember the music video at all. This was not on my radar. But I think I was probably too young to have known about it. But it is worth noting that this duo was put together by a music producer named Ivan Shapovalov. And the name Tattoo, it's a Russian word that's abbreviated. And it literally means this girl loves that girl. So, like, they're quite literally industry plants and quite literally (laughs) created just to sell the lesbian idea. But this is a thing that I couldn't find, like, when we were looking this up, is it's like, were they trying to, like, help liberate Russia or were they just, like, trying to cause problems? Or were they just trying to get famous and make money by using dramatic lesbian propaganda? Yeah, because neither of them were lesbians. No. And, you know, early 2000s America was, like, we were just starting to, like, turn the corner on gay is kind of poppin'. Like, (laughs) Will and Grace? I'm not a bigot because I watch it. Like, it was the right time to manipulate an audience if you were going to be doing it like that. Not okay, but it was, like, it mathematically kind of makes sense to me to be like, yeah, fuck it. (laughs) Lesbians. So also at the 2003 Music Video Awards, this is when we have Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Madonna doing a very interesting performance. And I think two of them ended up kissing. I think it was Madonna and Britney kissed on stage. Yes, they kissed. And it was like, but I've never heard them say they were lesbians. How could they do this? So the reason that like this tattoo example is so wild is because like at the time they like basically went along with the plot that they were lesbians and then it later came out that they were both straight and in 2014 one of the singers said that like she wouldn't support a gay son. Yeah she was on like a game show in Russia and they basically asked her like what her thoughts were on homosexuality and what she said was that like they first asked about women and she was like oh like two women loving each other is natural it's fine no problem and then when asked about men she goes a man has no right to be a a fag is what she says and then she goes two girls together not the same thing as the two men together it seems to me that lesbians look aesthetically much nicer than two men holding hands or kissing and then she continues to go i want to say that i'm not against gays and apparently she has many gay friends and that she also believes that being gay is all still better than murderers thieves or drug addicts if you choose out of all things being gay is a little bit better than the rest this whole take is wild man that's how people should be coming out (laughs) Mom, Dad, I want you to know that I'm not a murderer. (laughs) I could have been a murderer, but in fact, I am gay. Like, well, you know, the cultural, which is still so prevalent, this, like, fetishization and preference of women loving women as, like, an aesthetic thing is rooted in, like, 
fragile masculinity, men's deep-seated homophobia. I mean, I remember being in high school and, like, you know, you ask stupid questions to your friends and someone was like, well, why do you think lesbians are hot? And the answer is like, because yeah. it's two girls. There's no yeah. dicks to be seen. And if I look at a dick, if I'm watching porn, I'm a gay and I don't want to be a gay because I'm really cool at this art school I attend. I don't want people to think I'm gay. And it's like, come on. Like, when she said the aesthetically pleasing part of it is like, yeah. So, in like, the joke is that, like, yeah, it's legal to be gay in Russia, but it's okay because there aren't any gay people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The thing that also is just, like, really frustrating about this is, like, if you were, as a girl listening to the song, like, that you might be struggling, feeling, feeling towards other girls, these lyrics are actually pretty i think relatable and like yeah like unlike the other songs we're going to be mentioning that are kind of like questionable this actually like feels very much like they actually were having these feelings because like the chorus of the song is just like all the things she said all the things she said running through my head running through my head and so they keep repeating this and then the verse is being like i'm in serious shit i feel lost and i'm asking for help is only because being with you has opened my eyes could i ever believe such a perfect surprise so it's like it's actually like a pretty beautiful song about like realizing oh. that you're attracted to somebody of the same sex as you. Yeah, I mean, it's hit different for like for me in several occasions. Yeah. Like I still think that song is like powerful. Yeah, and th- that's what's so frustrating about it is that like all this stuff came out and that it's like they did put out like a really beautiful, pretty he- like helpful song and then y- you just find out that there's like all of this sort of nasty stuff behind it because like if they weren't lesbians like okay that's still frustrating but they were teenagers it was 1999 when they got put together like you can maybe let it slide a little bit curious exploring figuring out things writing about real experiences yeah like who who knows like they could have been feeling that way in some sort of sense but i mean in 2007 they released a statement where they basically were saying many of our fans of alternative sexual orientation thought that we lied and betrayed them this is not true we've never done that we've always advocated for love without boundaries and then they performed at a Moscow Pride celebration, like, a couple weeks later. So it sounds sort of like, at some point, they both might have been, like, questioning their sexuality or something. But, I mean, in 2021, the singer Julia Vokova, which is the one who made those statements about how lesbians are fine because they're aesthetically pleasing, she's also running for Russian parliament to represent the current country's ruling party. So the very, like, anti-LGBT party. So it's this weird thing where it's like, okay, you've made these statements, you've said these things, or, like, you are acting like you're not against this but then you also are being like actually men on men is disgusting and now i'm running to like help russia continue to oppress these people uh i mean like if that wasn't the case you'd almost want to look at it like okay russia is extremely oppressive towards the lgbtq plus community it could be analogous to like somebody who rejects their same-sex attractions because they don't want to break ties with, like, a very conservative kind of family. I know people who were, like, out at one point, and then were like, I was I was actually never gay. I also know people who have legitimately been like, I experimented, and it turns out I'm straight. I can't do that. But there are people who you can tell are like, no, you're denying yourself this out of fear. And I wish that's what we could say about Tattoo, but it just looks like there's scummy people. Yeah, I think that that's what is so frustrating is, like, that they have been so, at least Julia, who has been more so in the limelight, has been so, like, wishy-washy on the stance of how they feel about this. This point where it's like, okay, now you're running for, like, the current ruling party of Russia. That all sounds like a very politician thing to do, though. 
Yeah. Get as many people under your belt as you can before you run for office. <laughs> if that means lying, you lie. It's interesting and it's just kind of sad because there could be people finding the song and then going and researching it. And like, that's like pretty traumatizing, I think, to hear a song, especially the way Spotify works. Like, I'm sure that people have put this on like oh like my queer journey playlist or whatever you know and then googling it to see what they're doing now and it's like oh this bitch is trying to continue to oppress russians but you know there are still a lot of straight guys who really like living la vida loca and they don't understand (laughs) that uh it's not for them so (laughs) you know all the guys who are out there being like barney stinson is actually my fucking idol what a Mm. bro have you met the man behind the mask It's far less insidious than that because tattoo is hurting people. He made some really good points earlier about why lesbians are kind of fetishized through the male gaze of it all and like how that makes them also homophobic of being like, there's no dicks involved, which I think leads really well into our next example, which is Liam Payne's Both Ways. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. What a thing to have written, Liam. (laughs) My girl like it both ways. She like the way it all tastes couple more we call it foreplay no no i don't discriminate bring it back to my place yeah she like it both ways i think that the fetishization of bisexual women is like almost grosser because at least asshole people are like well lesbians aren't gonna have sex with me probably and there's still the probably there (laughs) there's a lot of guys who are like they just need the right dick they'll know but you know how many people are like you've seen hundreds of videos that are like my by experience on bumble is like people always looking for a third like this idea that like bisexual women specifically they were made for sex and nothing more because they love it they love sex so much they can't pick and it's just like fuck right off liam yeah and i think a lot of times too it's like men like when they're thinking about this they're like oh a threesome with two women they're never like (laughs) A threesome with a man and a woman and somebody gender non-conforming, you know, like they're very much like two girls. Cool. Well, I think that that's like what these like aggressively straight men, like what their mindset is when it comes to bisexuals. And this is what we have this issue constantly with, especially bisexual women, but also with bisexual men. It's like bisexual men, people are like, oh, you're just gay. You just don't want to admit it yet. And then with bisexual women, they're like, you're just straight, but like you're just doing this for attention. And that whole thing where it's like, okay, but there's also not only two genders. So (laughs) there's like other options. And like for some people, bisexual doesn't only mean two things. It's like, right. So there's just like, there's so much there and it's so fucking frustrating. And like, this is why the song has just always just riled me up so much is it's like on genius when they're like, oh, like this is what a verse is. And this verse is like two lines. But like the first verse after that intro that Joseph so beautifully (laughs) read um, is Liam going, girl, I can feel it. Oh yeah. I can feel what you want. Yeah. Like that you're different. Yeah. (laughs) Do do what you want. I won't judge. I won't judge. And it's like, yeah, because he thinks he's going to get to like enjoy a buffet of women with his girlfriend or like his hookup or whatever and it's like i can tell you're different Have you seen the video of the guy who's eating a steak and he's like, oh, fuck yeah, baby. It's Saturday. Fuck yeah. Steak. I fucking... When you... That's what it sounds like when you read his lyrics out loud. Girl, I can feel it. Oh, yeah. I know what you want. Yeah. But then he goes on to say, like, she said, we're young and we're stupid. She said, come on, boy, let's do this. Like, it's not a flippant thing. Like, what bisexual woman is being like, ah, yes, let's go to the club and pick up a girl for us. 
I mean, I know people who do that. Well, I mean, you'd have to be, like, in a real relationship and, like, you're not right. going to write this song like this if you're, like, having a relationship where your girl's like, it's time to go to the club to see if we can pull a third, you know? Like, I just feel like the song would be a different song if that was actually the case. Right, and I do feel like in the experiences I've had where I have seen, you know, aggressive couples where it feels like where the girl is kind of being used to, like, wrangle another girl, it does always feel like... There's a dynamic problem there. I'm noticing that this is all very much seems like the dude's idea. And, you know, uh, but I, again, to anyone listening who, like, enjoys that, like, I'm not yucking your yum. Like, if that's what you want, go for it. Great. It's not bad. But the idea that, like, a bisexual relationship exists so that you can have these bacchanalian, these just, like, oh, two is never enough. I will send out my casting net of this girl. <laughs> to go and bring back in more because that's what she likes because she's bisexual. I love a song about a girl being like, I make my dude go grab another dude so I can exactly. get tagged. Fucking make that song. Another reason why I kind of get the sense that like Liam Payne was writing about this in a way that's him considering having fun with multiple women is because he's had like questionably homophobic comments in the past and in 2017 he did an interview with Capital in which he said he wouldn't let Harry babysit his child because, quote, I couldn't rely on Harry because I feel like my child would come out dressed in something that I wouldn't understand. Well, that just makes Liam sound dumb. Do you not know what clothes are, Liam? What is that? It goes all the way down. There's not two leg holes. It's just one big hole and both his legs are coming out of it. What do you call that, Harry? Well, I think also it's like, Liam's weird because Liam, while he was in One Direction, he was given the moniker of like daddy direction where like he was like in charge like he, he was, was like leader. the stoic one who's like <laughs> I didn't, yeah I didn't so know he's that. like supposed to like keep things chill and like keep everybody wrangled and like all of this stuff and at the beginning very much was that sort of character but like as he started like coming into himself as like a man he was like this is not what I want. I want to be like the playboy one. And then he went through this phase where he was like on Instagram, almost like Latino fishing. All this stuff was very much like not who he was as a person. And the like captions he was writing and all that sort of stuff very much felt like he was trying to fit into this idea of like what he thinks is a masculine man. And he was doing all this and he was trying to be like a playboy. And then he had a son and he was in that relationship, which was like, pretty normal but also maybe grooming so like but that's a whole other conversation i don't know a lot about one direction everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance from functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. 
creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Okay, so for those of you who don't know about One Direction, Liam Payne first tried out for One Direction at the age of 14. And Cheryl is a British singer. Cheryl Cole is like what most people probably know her as, but like she just goes by Cheryl. And when Liam first tried out, she's 10 years older than him. So she would have been 24. And then when he was on it for One Direction, I think he was like 16 or 17. So she would have been like 26, 27. So the first time she met, he was a child. And so there's just like this whole thing of like she's known him personally at least since he was in one direction so he was like a young teenager and so there's this whole thing where it's like oh like was he screaming like what was going on here like this is really questionable because like how young he was when they met there's like a lot going on there which i feel like liam has probably had his own demons how old were they when they got together so he was 22 and she was 32 when they got together but so liam very much though was trying to get away from like this like good boy father figure idea went full force into like when i leave one direction i'm gonna have my justin to really justified moment so he releases his first album that's just a bunch of songs that are like yeah i fuck and so it's that frustrating thing because like if he hadn't had this you'd just be like this man is lost and confused and just trying to convince people that he's a bad boy who fucks and he even like admitted to this so he did an interview in 2020 with this guy called jack hardwick for daily star and basically it was an interview to get him to apologize for both ways and so what liam says at first is like honestly it wasn't a deliberate move to make sexual songs it was a very confusing time for me when i was making that album i was going through a lot of personal things that i didn't speak about a lot with songwriting stage fright and being scared of the future so he first like just tries to be like eh. Uh, it's okay but then he's like so what about this fucking song dude and liam goes i'm sorry to anyone who got offended by certain songs or different things on the album for sure it was never my intention with any of the writing or things i was doing i was just challenging myself in different areas looking back on it now it was just a moment in time for me i was just challenging myself to fetishize bisexual (laughs) women just like see if i could really do it like push my creative bounds fuck right off this is a thing that we see happening again and again i mean this is kind of the point of this conversation of like people think they're being progressive and saying something when they're really not and part of it has to do with the lack of education just like with tram stamps they showed up to like try to be feminist and then they absolutely were not because they don't actually have any of the knowledge of like what conversation is going on here I understand why if he was going to do this, it was always going to be wrong (laughs) because he doesn't have the experience to back it up to know how to have written a song like this the proper way. Well, it's like how I said earlier with like how the automatic default for lesbians and bisexual women is to fetishize them. So his automatic thing is like, oh, yes, I am on the right track here with this because he's always fetishized bisexual women. So it's just him being not to give an excuse because this is wrong. Like these lyrics are fucked up. Like what he did is not okay. But it also is just like the complete lack of education and the complete lack of like intelligence to even google a fucking thing because he could have made this like a very sexy song about like a couple going out to try and like woo another girl yeah like it still would have been maybe uncomfortable but like he could have made like a sexy song about it instead of like a fucked up song about it it could have been like a pro poly experience song yeah instead it was a yeah she's a little bisexual dirty girl and i'm just letting her be her natural bisexual self oh god forbid i hold her back keep a bisexual girl down you can't do that 
What's a dress? I don't know. <laughs> Let me have a whole stanza of my song where I refer to my partner as a car. You've never been in a Bugatti Sport. I think we've roasted Liam Payne for as much as possible without us getting canceled forever. I um, could keep going and I have no <laughs> idea who he is. <laughs> and so he is not the only person who has had to come back. This was like a year later of Liam being like, I apologize, but not really apologizing. And then we have Katy Perry, who a decade later comes back and has to apologize for I Kissed a Girl, because similar to Tattoo, when I Kissed a Girl came out, I think people were still just getting used to the fact that like lesbians existed outside of fetishization. Right. So when this song came out, everyone's like, ah, yes, this is like a bi-girl anthem. Girls kissing girls in the club it being no big deal, whatever, when, like, really, this genuinely was just, like, the whole idea of, like, fetishizing, like, girls kissing girls to, like, make guys be interested in, like, what's going on at their table. It Which sucks, just because I feel like it could have been a song about, like, curiosity and exploration. It fucking slaps. That same album is the one where she had You're So Gay. Like, she had no, contextually, no worry or respect for the gay community. It was just a cash grab. I remember that music video, too, because that was the first time I saw it. I was at a sleepover. It was, like, 2 in the morning, and it was the first music video, and I was like, what? Who is Katy Perry? Is this gonna... I was like, she's the next Britney Spears, and I was wrong. Well, Katy Perry also was very much, like, just from New Girl before just from New Girl, like, existed sort of thing. Like, she was just, like, like quirky, fun girl hanging out at Warped Tour for no reason, really. Also, at the time, her vibe was, like bright colors and like she like played the guitar like it was like verging on rock because i think she did do rock music before this when she was a christian era. musician yeah and like she had done so much stuff to lead up to this point which it is funny that she did christian stuff before this because she's like a pastor's daughter but yeah so it's it's interesting because i feel like she very much was like filling the like manic pixie dream girl ideal before even that was a huge thing and i think the pop culture zeitgeist i think like she was one of the originals yeah it's like she walked right out of garden state and was like oh my god i kissed a girl once i'm wearing a lot of pastels it's so upsetting that like there are these songs that they they come so close to being like fuck yeah and to the point where a lot of times and i think it's fair you still allow them to be the anthem that they are not intended to be because there isn't something to match that and so you have to be like well the person who made this didn't actually care about me or my experiences when they did it but fuck if i relate to the song we pulled a quote from the guardian that is maybe my favorite quote that we've ever pulled so this is an article from 2008 written by this guy called mark brown and he quotes jane chicksletza who's an editor of lesbian lifestyle magazine diva and she personally admitted that like she was torn about this song and she goes i don't think she's being homophobic i think she might be a bit dumb a bit unself-aware the kind of behavior you get from some privileged people of quote oh i didn't realize perhaps she didn't know any gay people who have suffered verbal or physical abuse this is like the strongest burn i've yeah. ever like this is good <laughs> <laughs> maybe she's just dumb have we taken that into account? I think you could arguably use that for a lot of people yeah. we're talking about today. That was my point about the Liam Payne thing is it's like, especially, I mean, in 2008, these conversations definitely were happening within the queer community, but that wasn't mainstream conversation. So it's like, you're you're walking up to this, having no personal experience or background and saying something that like isn't actually representative because you haven't actually educated yourself. Right. 
It's representative of the straight privileged person who once kissed a girl. That's what it's representative of. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then you walk that line of like, I want to validate your experience and your journey, but I also need you to shut the fuck up. This isn't your conversation. Yeah. It's kind of like, when should artists put out their art and when should they just keep it to themselves? Yeah. I think that like in a lot of these cases, it's like, you must have some like a bisexual friend somewhere out there like but that was the other thing was that like there was also like with the Liam Payne both ways thing that somebody was like oh like one of the writers on the songs is bisexual and it's like that just makes it worse yeah like no you have a bisexual person on the song to make it better not to just be like oh yeah I'd be cool with this it's like oh so you're like a pick me bisexual or even they could have been given credit and still have been in there going like well let's not say this let's tone this part down let's not say that like they're getting their paycheck and they're in their best to keep it it could have it could have been it could have been way yeah, worse that's true we don't know <laughs> we could be getting the safe version <laughs> that is very true so also in 2018 it was the 10 year anniversary of i kissed a girl and Katy perry did an interview with glamour where they questioned her about the song and she said quote we've really changed conversationally in the past 10 years we've come a long way bisexuality wasn't talked about back then or any type of fluidity and then she basically went on to say that she would probably make an edit if she were to redo the song at this point. How would you edit that, Katie? Yeah, I know. How would you change that without just rewriting the entire song? That answer is so upsetting to me because it's like, well, you know, people weren't getting mad when I wrote it. But now we're talking about it. it's such a boomer. It's such a boomer thing. It sounds like like a Gen X boomer cop out of like, hey, I mean, that yellow face bit in 16 Candles was great when it happened. I guess now we're sensitive. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, but it was always not okay. It's just that, like, white people were so much in power then that you just were like, we'll just do it. This is the thing. And, like, that's why, like, the white supremacists are scared now is because there's not as many of us. So, like, we can't, they can't get away with all this fucking shit that they used to get away with. And it's the same thing where it's like now there's more out and proud people in the LGBTQ plus community being like, hey, you fucked up. And they're like, oh, but it was funny. It was okay then. And it's like, it wasn't ever okay. It's just that there were less of us. So we couldn't put up as loud of a fuss. Right. And so it's frustrating because, especially with somebody like Katy Perry, I feel like her image has come to a thing where, like, she is verging on being like a, a queer icon but like not really like i think she thinks she is because she does all those songs where she like has like the rainbow pride stuff in, in the videos and all these things where i think that she thinks that she's following in lady gaga's footsteps and she's like missed the mark fully Katy perry is the pride section of target but i think also with talking about the fact that like these people are sort of using the expected like fetishization of bisexuals as like a way to write these songs and think that it's acceptable or whatever and then the internet getting mad about it whether it's at the time or later on and like rightfully so they're mad about it we also have the other side of the coin which is when people who are actually bisexual or these things write songs about the bisexual experience and it's them thinking like oh my fans should have probably already gotten this vibe or like people should already sort of understand because they I think we also especially in the past like five years sort of live in this age where a lot of people aren't necessarily like i don't need to do like a massive coming out thing you either know or you don't and so i feel like there are some people who very much are part of the community where it's like people should just know and so we have these scenarios where people who think that people would assume or know that they are bisexual or whatever having then the like people in the queer community always expecting the worst which is warranted and people getting mad and then 
thus like forcing people to come out of the closet because they're like well i thought that this song was enough and it's like no now we need to make like a whole fucking statement and so it's like this super double-edged sword where it's like it's warranted for them to be upset because you expect the worst always but it's also warranted for the singers to be like why are you not okay with this song so i don't know i feel like there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot to unpack there and i think that like the huge example was rita ora's girls oh man that's something that i'm like really passionate about for so many reasons um and i've made videos about this it's just like nobody owes anyone anything and while that like that fear of like am i being pandered and manipulated by this artist is real i feel like we should be fucking smart enough by now to understand that like it's statistically less likely for someone to be like oh maybe i'm gay like it's 2005 again than it is for someone to be like, this is my fucking journey and my experience and it's valid and real. Especially if that person has like, if you've seen that person, you know, be an ally or you you know that person is inclusive and like cares about the community, then like let them exist and, ex- and explore themselves because there are gonna be people who are mega famous who still will not feel either like there's a label that really fits them because sexuality and gender are a fluid experience or they will simply never feel safe coming out because it doesn't matter how famous you are. People will still target you and try and ruin your life based on what they don't like about you. But we take away the humanity of anyone with any kind of notoriety because I see you. You exist on my phone and on my television and on my laptop. Therefore, I have some ownership over you. And therefore, you you simply must make me privy to every bit about you. Like, my counter-argument is, like, should, like, a celebrity tweet out every time they have sex and just, like, let you know, like, the height, weight, gender, and orientation of that person just so you're not, you're comfortable just so you know, like how, how invasive and, and disturbing is that? No one ever asks a person to prove it when they write a straight song, which like, I get it. Like, why would you do that? But it's like, what I'd hate is to have somebody who's like making music about same sex experiences and then and not identify as like strictly lesbian or homosexual uh, or gay and like have like, you know, be pan or, or poly or bi, polysexual, not polyamorous and write or just queer and then like having another song after that about like heteronormative sexual experience and get attacked for that because like people just don't seem to understand they talk a big game about how sexuality is a spectrum but they refuse to acknowledge it when it comes to like people who they think owe them stuff and it's so it's so upsetting i've never stated it took me forever to put my fucking pronouns in my bio because i would be getting the weirdest requests for me to put them there. What do you mean? I would get DMs and stuff that would be like very, very flirty and then be asking about my pronouns and my sexuality. And all I could surmise from that is, are you trying to discern whether or not I'll fuck you? Because one, I'm not going to fuck a fan. Two, that's my full business. It's not your business. And I've had people who are like, oh, you know, you've never stated your sexuality. Therefore, you must be using your queer following. My, My following is as gay as it comes and I love it but I'm not I have never publicly stated my sexuality and I never will but I think it's pretty clear from my content that I'm not a person who is trying to manipulate the queer community I just do not feel like I need to tell you what my sexuality is unless we're about to go back to my apartment because yeah, it's not open to anybody maybe not about to maybe <laughs> at some point earlier in the experience I've clued you in well, yeah, but... oh by the way I know we're about to have sex I should probably tell you that I am into this <laughs> But I mean, like, it's not... Your sexuality isn't owed to anybody. And also the fact that, like, straight is 
the like default setting is fucking bullshit and frustrating for right. everybody involved. And like while I can understand that some of these lyrics are sort of like in that realm of like the male gaze of bisexual women, it still doesn't mean that it's not her truth. Because I mean like so Haley Kiyoko, who's a lesbian and a singer, she came out with comments about girls and the lyrics of it saying that it was like tone deaf and quote fuels the male gaze while marginalizing the idea of women loving women. And so it wasn't only fans or listeners of the song being like, how dare you write this? There was also other singers, which I think probably also caused Rita to be like, I need to make a statement about this. But it's like, when this song came out, Rita Ora was 26. So like, she's old enough to like, but again, like, we don't know how educated somebody is, whatever. And also like the male keys conversation, I don't think was happening as much as it's been happening on the past year on TikTok alone. So I think while definitely these lyrics are like male gazy, like I feel like there has for so long been so much like fear about coming out as bisexual because of the way that it is viewed like as a fetishized thing and and through the male gaze that like writing a song like this might have been like the only way that she knew bisexuality is viewed. But so basically, like, the, the start of the song, she goes, I ain't one-sided, I'm open-minded, I'm 50-50, and I'm never gonna hide it. And then in the chorus, it's like, sometimes I just want to kiss girls, 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 red wine, I just want to kiss girls, girls, girls. So it is that thing of, like, oh, like- The red wine sounds like a weird... Inter- red wine, <laughs> girls, 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 just so we're back on that. Sorry, I got distracted by a bottle of shard. <laughs> so, like, I think that the, the thing is, is it's like insinuating that like the red wine is there to help you want to kiss the girls is probably the problematic lyric i would think it's just like would you see a friend and have them go yeah i I made out with a a girl the other night or i made out with a guy the other night or i made out with someone who isn't the gender i identify with the other night you and then be like fucking tell me what your fucking sexuality is and i want you i want to say it to the world (laughs) do it do it or you're a monster fucking say it what? What? I don't... I'm just, like, explain. Like, no, I need to know. Like, that's how it sounds. That's how people sound. And they don't know that. I guarantee fucking to you, if you're listening to this, there are people who are listening to this episode of this podcast who have felt like, I need... I deserve to know. And you're wrong. And you're, you're hurting people. You're hurting people. Like, you don't pull someone out. You don't. And truthfully, at that... I think that coming out is a very personal experience... Um, I feel like if I was at like the reason that I haven't ever said anything about what my sexuality is, I feel like if I did it, who would it be for? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be for me at this point. And so there are, if you are in the public eye coming out is less for you than it is for everyone else to be like, yes. Oh yeah. Look at that. Our new icon. And it's like, what if I just like lived my fucking life? with the shred of privacy that I maintain because I I exist in the public eye. And I'm not even famous. I'm an E-list TikToker. Don't knock yourself down, dude. I mean, do people in Germany have pictures of my face on their shirts? Yes, and it's bizarre. But like, you know, if if I was at the level of Rita Ora, I would feel so visible and on display constantly. And I already do. At, a, uh, at this small place where I found myself. And it's just like people strip you of your humanity so quickly when you're important to them. And it's like if you really cared about me as an artist, as a human, you would allow me to live my journey 
as privately as I can. Did you know that Ryan Gosling and Eva, Men- Eva Mendez are married? Yes, I did know that because I work up gossip blogs. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't know that. And I was like, that's so refreshing to find out that they're like a secret marriage in Hollywood. Two or three kids that have never been seen. Never been seen. I'd never seen a picture of them together. And like, I love that. I just think that like, analogously, that is a beautiful thing that these famous people were able to have. Massively famous people had a marriage that was like, not super publicly talked about. And so like, you know, you see all these celebrities who do so many things in private because they're not allowed to have privacy. And now we're literally, the people are going to get mad at my take. This we're is like when you. conservatives are like, what, what's in your fucking pants? What bathroom are you going into? It's the same vibes. It's the same vibes. And it's coming from the community that's supposed to accept. And instead, they're forcing people to conform and be as out as they are. And, and I get it. I get it. The LGBTQ community, we are an oppressed group. We have gone through so much and we have felt so much pain and that is not done. But you cannot make someone's journey in that community painful for them. You you can't contribute to that. You just simply cannot. And it, it just it just hurts to see that. Because like, okay, if Rita Ora is bi, like what, how does that impact you? If she's publicly bisexual, how does that impact you? You're never going to date her. You're not even going to get an invitation to her wedding. She doesn't. Ex- she, you're just gonna keep listening to her music, and it's gonna mean what it meant to you from the get go. I think what you've just said is so important, and I think the reason why we have these very kind of like polarizing reactions to things is because people have been taken advantage of in the past, and so they have these trust issues of like, is this just another celebrity taking advantage of the queer community without being part of it? But again, it like doesn't and shouldn't give people the right to like force someone to out themselves. No. No, and I feel like, yes, that trust issue exists, that fear is there, and I'm never going to say that it shouldn't exist. But I do think the the proper approach should be, okay, we know that people have been shitty in the past, but let's lead with this stuff, this sensitive, personal thing. Let us leave with grace and patience and the benefit of the doubt that they are not trying to hurt me. And when we find out they are, fucking slam them, dude. Fucking 90s pogs, slam it down, make their stack fall, like take them out for being appropriative and awful. But until then, let them have their journey. Give them a shred of respect. My song, Loser Boy, is a song literally about, trigger warning, for sexual assault. It is a song about my experience being molested and how that has impacted my mental health and my struggles with sexuality and alcohol and drugs my entire life. And that song is being used, and when I say sexuality, I don't mean like who I like. I mean like, is sex okay? Am I allowed to be sexual because of what happened? And people are putting it on all these like awesome LGBTQ plus vibes playlists. Like it's on a playlist called The Gay Agenda. And I'm like, see, my song is not even about being gay, but you heard it and it resonated and you responded to it in a way and it made you feel valid in your sexuality. And I'm so happy about that. So if I wrote a song that has nothing to do with that and it's doing that, then let these people who are actively talking about their experience, like that song, that is for that will never change that will never change that meaning will never go away 
I mean, that's really important too. We've touched on this in different ways of like, you're allowed to interpret lyrics how you want them, whatever you meaning you take, like that's important for you. And it doesn't have to be the same meaning that the artist necessarily intended. Because a lot of times we also see people like we've talked about, especially when it comes to like mental health type stuff, like people writing about their mental health of you thinking that the artist is has a, the same exact experience as you when you're, you're assuming that. Like they've never said that they had that experience. They could have been writing that song about a friend or writing it from, you know, a third perspective and you're just projecting that onto them. I think that this all ties back to this conversation of like now because people have a platform because of the internet and information overload, we want the people we look up to to have the same morals as us and to be on the right side of history. And when they're not the perfect checklist of everything you expect them to be, you get mad. And so this is kind of where the sexuality part of this conversation comes into it. Yeah, it's, you know, we do not allow celebrities to be fallible. We have elevated them to this, like, Greco-Roman godlike stance where we have put you in a position of importance and therefore you cannot ever disappoint me. And that's deeply upsetting. People will hear this argument and go, you're just going to let people be shitty? No, of course not. Accountability. But, like, you know, if you have a friend who, like, knocks a cup over at dinner are you gonna be like you're fucking worthless you know so if a person makes like a human mistake see how they respond if your friend knocks over a cup at at dinner and then goes you made me do that that's weird work on that you know if a celebrity says something or doesn't like do something in the right order give them like a fucking week See how they're, see how they do it. See what their intent is. Even though intent and impact, that's a whole other argument. But like, you know, see what they're trying to do real quick before you jump to be like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I hate you. You've let me down. You've ruined my life. I think like in the Rita Ora case, like the backlash happened so quickly that there wasn't even time for like a press cycle around the single at all for her to even talk about it, which led to her having to literally like come out in like an apology note of her being like, that like uh, apologizing that she had hurt anyone with lyrics saying that she'd strive to be a contributor to the lgbtq plus community throughout my entire career and always will be but also in the statement she's saying girls was written to present my truth and is an accurate account of a very real and honest account of my life if i have had romantic relationships with women and men throughout my life and this is my personal journey and the fact that she had to share something like this raw and honest is just like, it's so upsetting and so frustrating. And I mean, the same thing very recently happened with Ashniko, who's had multiple songs about the fact that she, that she has hooked up with women. And like, I thought it was just like very clear that she's at least bisexual. And then she on Twitter literally like very recently was like, Clitoris the Musical is literally a stupid satirical song I wrote two years ago, dressed up in a vagina costume while doing jazz hands. It is not that deep. And to clarify, I am pansexual and gender fluid. I just didn't feel ready to tell the internet yet, but I guess now is a good time since everyone's doing a dissection into my sexuality and gender identity. Which is so, like... Why? And like, Joseph, you hit on so many good points earlier about the fact that people just feel like it's owed to them. And it's like, again, we said earlier, it's understandable that this community is 
upset and frustrated because like of the songs we mentioned at the start of this episode but that doesn't mean that like you have the right to bully people into coming out of the closet when they're not ready to yet but like she was writing songs about sexual experiences like multiple songs like it's not just one song you know like (laughs) she's literally just like yelling like hey i've hooked up with girls and people are like but did you like how does it make a difference to you you personally how does it make a difference to your experience of these songs whether or not she tells you verbatim her sexual orientation it's just wild when i made my tramp stamp video which is how this friendship between the three of us all began when i made that video i i the first one that went mega viral i made the mistake of wearing a uh denim shirt and looking like a real straight white guy (laughs) um and when that video went as big as it did I, i when i woke up actually i took it down for a minute because there were 40 people in my comment section. I'll never forget it. I always remember the exact number of shitheads. There were 40 comments that were all, well, what's your sexuality? And if you, and basically, like, if you don't come out right now and back this up, then I'm going to assume you're a shitty straight man and, like, fuck you. Because, to be fair, when I made that video, people were not all universally aware of how horrible that group had been with, like, their racial slurs and their supporting of, you know, anti-BLM uh, companies and, like, the use of the F-slur and the lead singer being a Trump supporter in 2016. And, like, all this, like that wasn't as public knowledge as I thought it was. But there were a lot of people who were just like, oh, no, you're just a straight white guy. And if you don't prove us otherwise, then, like, fuck you. We're going to, like, you know, ruin you. And it was just like, wowzers. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, I'm thinking about making my songs that are romantic i think i'm about keeping them as much as i can gender neutral and they were like um you only have like two songs where you ever say a gender and those are songs specifically about specific girls and all of your other songs they're all non-binary love songs or sex songs or whatever like you can call anyone baby (laughs) they said your song pastel goth could be about a scene girl or it could be about a tumblr boy like it (laughs) Like, it could have been about anybody, and I was like, oh, yeah, because inclusion is important in music and stuff, and it's just like, I strive to make my music as personal as I can be and also as relatable as I can be, but the day someone takes a song I've written and tries to, like, come at me about it is the day I go on a fucking tirade. We're gonna get some powerful responses from me. If that ever happens, because I just simply refuse to allow people's autonomy to be removed when it comes to their sexuality. It's so upsetting. I think that's really powerful and important. It's just so upsetting when, like, there's so many other things to be worried about, like, forcing people that are clearly already making songs that should exist in that zeitgeist being like, why are you not confirming this? And it's like, okay, like... Again, there's so many songs that have done it wrong, but like also those songs, like you know that that person is like fucking straight as can be. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I'll never forget. I had a video early on where I was like, "Oh, this girl stood me up for a date," but I it's okay because I got a free sandwich from the grocery store. And I had like 14 comments that were like, "I didn't know you were a fucking breeder," and I was like wow i that's when i was like i will never say what my sexuality is they can either die mad or they can respect me that's that's a choice that is a choice he called me a breeder and there are still people who like the other day i i I made a video for pride and i was excited about all the 
people in the LGBTQ community who had accepted my music and been using it. And I, I said, I was like, clearly I'm not making music for straight people. And then someone was like, I knew it. I knew you were gay. Like, I couldn't see you as anything else but a gay man. And I was like, you're blocked. You do not get to enjoy my content anymore. Because that that was just, like, upsetting. It was just upsetting that they were like, I knew it. I've been dissecting everything about you. And I've, like, you don't fucking yeah. know me. You don't fucking know me. You don't know Ash Nico. You don't know Rita Ora. We all know Liam Payne, and he sucks. <laughs> well, also, like, just going back to the Liam Payne song for a minute after having this conversation, like, that song was very much not about him exploring his sexuality. It was about the bisexual woman Exploiting. he was having a relationship with. Yeah. I feel like we've touched on so much important stuff here. And this is honestly a conversation that we could talk about for hours on end, but we won't we won't put you guys right. through that. You have Joseph's TikTok to go watch. We'll have other content coming out together. Don't worry. <laughs> but I think that there's just a lot to sort of, for everybody to like go and like sit quietly for a little bit to think about, about how this all works and like what, as a society, like what we're owed and like what we actually are expecting because of like what the internet has taught us we have access to. Because I think it does all just come back to that is that like the internet age has made so many people so accessible that you think that you deserve to know everything about them and that there are people who are going to continue to like exploit an idea of sexuality to so many degrees whether that is somebody having a song about being the nice guy or that is a bunch of people using the bisexual experience as something to like just fetishize or what what have you and so there's just there's just so much so much there this ended up being like a really wonderful open conversation to explore this topic and we definitely got a lot deeper than i even thought we would so i mean i just want to give a big thanks to you joseph for being part of this conversation thank you for inviting me to have it this is probably the first time i've ever like spoken on these issues in like a non-tiktok setting and even then i don't go as deep as i went here so just thank you guys for providing a really awesome space to have this kind of talk thank you and for having me on so if people want to follow up and find your music or find you on tiktok where can they find all your things <laughs> look up emo joseph on tiktok and then everywhere else if you just put in joseph dubay you're gonna find me i did not do the due diligence of having the same username everywhere because i already had joseph dubay music on instagram and then i was like ah emo joseph on tiktok sure this will never be a thing and then it was a thing yeah, so just look up Joseph Dubay on any streaming service if you want to listen to my music. And there should be some more stuff coming out this year. Not a lot, but I, I am currently writing my next single, and I'm very excited about it. And uh, yeah, stream. I've got tons of music, and you can find me on Instagram where you can see all my fucking fits that I'm putting out and tiktok is where i am cringy so come follow me and have a good time we'll link everything in the description below if you guys want easy access to find joseph i think that this is my new favorite episode <laughs> yeah it might be mine too that was honestly really moving and i feel really honored that he was so open with us and that we were able to have this conversation like i think it definitely like as you already said like went farther than I ever could have imagined and I'm really I'm happy yeah no I agree I think the end part of that was really something special <laughs> but like I said like just being able to have these like really open conversations and not bringing any judgments to it and exploring this topic is so important with everything we've said of everything the LGBTQ community has been through. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, there's so much going on and so many people who use 
songs about like being sexually forward thinking as just like a way to make something an agenda when it's not one that when people are doing something to just sing about their truth it just gets completely ignored and obliterated because so many people are just turning this into an agenda which is really unfair for those people in the lgbtq community who want to be open and honest in their music and like as joseph said like don't feel like it's owed to anybody to yell from the rooftops like about who they are as a sexual being yeah no 100 i mean i don't really have anything to add because i feel like we've already been able to iterate it so well so if you guys want to continue this conversation with us you can find us on social media we are at name three songs on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, what have you. And we are always open and ready to discuss our episodes with y'all. And you can also talk to us personally if you want to. I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan and you can find Jenna at Jenna underscore William. So thanks for joining us on name three songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite thing. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Joseph Dubay. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit namethroughsongs.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.